Everybody stand on your feet real quick, and we're going to ask this question right now. Trinity, what's our question for today? Our question is, when you eat Pop-Tarts, do you eat them toasted or not toasted? Toasted or raw? Toasted Talk to the people raw. around you. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do? Toasted or raw? Toasted? Raw. So when you eat Pop-Tarts, do you eat them toasted or raw? Raw? Let me get some answers. There's only one right answer to this. You're good. Okay. Let's see, let's see, let's see. Suspects. Ethan, how do you eat your Pop-Tarts? Toasted or untoasted? He doesn't eat Pop-Tarts. <laughs> Let's find another. Hello, Addy. What, do you eat Pop-Tarts toasted or untoasted? Toasted. Toasted. Mm. Wrong answer in my book. A veteran move. Toast your Pop-Tart and then put butter on it. Let's see, let's see. Where are other culprits at right now? Amber, you eat Pop-Tarts toasted or untoasted? Untoasted. Untoasted, right answer, woo! Oh. Sorry, my bad. Toasted or untoasted? Hmm, oopsies. Who should we ask, who should we ask? Tyler, toasted or untoasted? Lightly toasted. Lightly, oh, like a light golden brown? Was was that setting on the toaster? Is that like setting on a three on the uh, toasted scale? A three, perfect. I like that. It's warm but not crusty. Okay. Okay. Hmm. Culprits. Where are we at? My boys. What's up, y'all? How we doing? Y'all eat your uh, pop tarts toasted or untoasted? Toasted. 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 Oh, toasted. Mm. toasted. Wrong answer. <laughs> Yeah, untoasted. Okay, that's fair, that's fair. Let's see. Eli, toasted or untoasted Pop-Tarts? I've never toasted a Pop-Tart in my life. <laughs> and he is a man of God. That's what we like to hear. Five, four, three, two, one. All right, everybody, go ahead and find your seats. On the count I of three. Some people never even had a Pop-Tart. Yeah, I got a couple of those, too. People have At never least had one. Pop-Tarts. Should Who, we? Wait. guys, raise your hand hey, if you real think quick. the youth should have a Pop-Tart party. Raise your hand if you want to have a Pop-Tart party next week. I'm dead serious, too. I think this might actually be happening. I think Maybe. that looks like the majority to me. <laughs> and now also, on the count of three, shout out to you guys, toast or untoasted. One, two, three. Man. And Corey said with butter. That's foul. <laughs> All right. Enough about this uh, toast, or uh, what is it? To yeah, toast topic. <laughs> We're into our announcements now. So to start us off, if you guys have your phones out already, perfect. If you don't, this is your one chance, unless you're taking notes later. Go ahead and follow us on social media, at BridgeYTH underscore. We'll have it right up there if you guys uh, don't know it. But, yeah, BridgeYTH underscore. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok. We got both, so be sure to follow both. And it's hot and popping on there, so don't miss out. You guys do not want to miss out. Speaking of social media, we do have Bible clubs. What? And if you need any information about that, you can also go ahead and DM us at BridgeYTH underscore for all the info that you guys will need to join us on your campuses. Also, another way to worship God is with your tithes and giving. No pressure to, but if you guys do want to, we got a bucket in the back right by the double doors right when you guys walked in. We have a little giving station there. Or if you guys got that credit card or something, you got mom's money, dad's money, I don't know, Christmas money. <laughs> um, you guys go ahead and give online uh, and then just like Bridge Youth when you guys give. All right, we have our Bridge Christmas services coming up. 
We will be having the Christmas Eve candlelight service on Saturday, December 24th Ooh. at 4 p.m. and 5.30. It's going to be awesome, and you guys do not want to miss it. Bring your family, bring your friends. It will be amazing. And we will also doing the Christmas Sunday special online at our normal service times, 9.30 a.m. and 11.30. You guys can be comfortable, enjoy your breakfast, hot chocolate with your family, Christmas jammies. Toasted Pop-Tarts, maybe with butter, according to Corey. So join us for that also. Also, if you guys have never been to one of the candlelight services, it's beautiful. It, it is. It's really so it's pretty in there. It's an experience in itself. Yeah. And then next up, y'all, this Sunday, if you guys don't come on Sundays yet, you should, because we got our connect groups. It's when we're bonding. It's when we're having a good time and everything. So this Sunday at 1130, be sure to join us. We're going to be going right after worship, right back in here and having our connect groups and having a good time. All right, everybody stand to your feet, and let's head to the center for worship. Better than 
doesn't just let our pain, our suffering, the way we grew up, the family we come from, be the end of our story. God brings beautiful things out of chaos, uncertainty, inconsistency, places that have no foundation, God brings foundations to. And I want you to know that I'm not just saying it just because the Bible says that, but because I've lived it. God has done that in me and he can do it in you. And so our goal at Bridge Youth is for you to understand that you have a greater purpose. You're not gonna just be the pain and the suffering and the frustrations that you've had to live out, but God's gonna use those to bring beauty. He's gonna put purpose behind the pain. And so I wanna encourage you with that tonight, Bridge Youth. You're not alone. God has done a lot in my life and he can do even more in your life. 
And so at Bridge Youth, we believe in the next generation. We believe in you. And we're not the ones that are going to always be praying and preaching and speaking encouragement and being kind and being the ones that step out. You guys are going to be the ones to do that. We want to encourage you to do that. And so tonight, like we always do, we are going to have a student pray. So Bree, would you come up? She's going to pray right before we get into the message tonight. Come on up, Bree. Right here. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Dear God, I just thank you for this lovely day, God. I just pray that you brought everyone here for a reason, God, that there's no reason that they shouldn't be in here, God. I pray you open our hearts and our lives to everything you have to speak through Corey tonight, God. And I just pray that everything goes smooth and well to plan, God, and that you don't let Satan get in the way of anything tonight, God. That you just bring us all to you, God, and just open our hearts and our lives to you. Amen. Amen. All right, Bridge Youth, are you ready for tonight? Yeah. All right, on your way back to your seat, high five three people and say it's going to be an awesome night. Christmas! Man, who's so pumped that Christmas is here? Who, who's loving this weather? Who loves the cold? Now, who's my people and you can't wait for summer already? You're like, I'm, fr I'm cold right now, bro. I'm cold right now. Hey, if you got a Bible, uh, open to Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14, if you got a Bible. Hey, I just want to take a quick moment to say welcome to anybody who's maybe visiting us uh, for the first time. Maybe it's your first time here. I want to just let you know you are the coolest person in the whole room. Um, one of our favorite things here at Bridge Youth is meeting new people. And so we're so stoked that you chose to come and spend some of your time here with us. We like welcoming our guests every single week in a way that never gets old for us. We like saying we are here to build you up, not... Yeah, we love you. We back you. You don't got to believe to belong here. If you're in the room or you're watching online, you are family. I'm looking around for the cameras. You're family. We're so stoked that you are here. Exodus chapter 14. We are continuing in our series entitled The Middle. Somebody say The Middle. Have you guys been enjoying this series? Have you loved this series? I know I have loved this series. You know one of my favorite things about this series has been being on the floor in the middle with everybody. It feels like there's really not like a band. There's not like a worship. It's like all of us are honorary band members, you know. Like you're like, I can't sing, bro. I am, I am, I am tone deaf. That's all right. 
for this series, you're, you're in the band. You guys remember You guys remember the little kid from School of Rock that's like, I cannot be in the band. I'm not cool enough. And it's like, you are cool enough for this month. Next month, that might change. You got to take that up with Jordan. All right? Jordan might not let you on the band if you're not a musician or can sing, you know. Uh, but this month, it's so cool because, like, I'm here and I'm, like, looking across and seeing you guys and some of you guys, like, your worship and how passionate and engaged you are in worship. Man, that encourages me to just, like, worship more and to step in more. And, like, it's almost like there's just, like, 250 worship leaders. And there's just something about moments of faith where, where faith is, it's, 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 it's like a cold. It's contagious. Corey, you can't use the word contagious anymore, not post-2019. You know, that word's now all bad. But it, it is in that, like, man, you never know. While you're right down here in the middle and you're worshiping, it's like you're leading worship. The people around you, man, they start following your lead. It's like, like a wildfire that begins to spread. And I love that because so much of life is spent in the middle. In the middle of what? In the middle of, like, I've prayed, but I haven't got my answer. In the middle of the storms of life. In the middle of struggle. In the middle of temptation. In the middle of failure. We talked about that one last week. In the middle of, um, I'm called, I'm, I'm, I'm appointed, I'm anointed, but I'm not yet appointed. God's, like, laid out in front of me what he's going to do, but it hasn't quite fallen into place. I'm in the middle of maybe some family struggles. So much of life is spent in the middle. Some of it's spent in the middle of triumph. And winning, some of it's mountaintops, being on the, in the middle of a mountaintop experience. Some of it's being in the middle of a valley. But so much of life is spent in the middle. And we've talked so much about being in the middle. And tonight, I want to talk about this idea. I want to preach a message to you around the idea of being stuck. Somebody say stuck. In the middle of being, what do you do when you are stuck in the middle? It's stuck in the middle of what? When you're like, you're stuck in the middle of just a season of life. When you're in this place where there's a, a saying, stuck between a rock and a hard place. When you're stuck in a season where seemingly you can't move forward, but you definitely can't go back. Where, where you're in a position, in a place, in a space where it feels like because of the struggles maybe you're walking through, you're like, I want to take a step forward. I want to move forward in faith. But it feels like I got cement blocks on my feet and I can't seem to move forward. Maybe you feel like you're stuck in just an area of struggle. And there's so many areas of your life that you surrendered to God and God's come through and God's done something amazing. Yet in this one area, you're like, why can't I shake this? I feel so stuck. Maybe you're right now in a relationship that you just feel stuck in that relationship. Listen, eighth grader, you should have never started dating him anyways, girl. He's in the eighth grade. He loves his Xbox more than he loves you. Seventh grader, he loves his scooter more than he loves you. And all the seventh grade scooters said, amen. <laughs> he said, amen, tail whip. <laughs> scooter die, baby. <laughs> uh. One time in the seventh grade, I broke up with this girl because I had a girlfriend in the seventh grade. And, and she said, you skateboard more than you hang out with me. And that's a problem. And I said, that is a problem. And I broke up with her on the spot. <laughs> this guy clapping single for sure. Just <laughs> I was just kidding, bro. Uh, but, like, but like that's how, maybe you're stuck. Man, maybe you're stuck in, in a season of like, man, like I've been struggling with mental health stuff. And I can't seem to get out of this season. What do you do when you're stuck in the middle? We're going to talk about that tonight. The first, uh, 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 write this verse down. It's not our main verse. You don't got to turn there. But 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, it says this. It says, be on guard, stand firm, 
in faith. Somebody say faith. In faith, be courageous, be strong. Be courageous, be strong. Here comes your sermon in a sentence. Your sermon in a sentence. It's coming up right here, right now. When stuck in the middle, respond with faith and courage. When stuck in the middle, respond with faith and courage. I'm going to say it again. When stuck in the middle, respond with faith and courage. Hey, does anybody have a, anybody got a, a notebook? Like you got, oh my gosh, my stickers are flying everywhere. Anybody got a notebook? You're taking notes in a notebook right now. Let's see. Oh, bro, my guy. Here, I got a, I got a bridge you sticker for you taking notes in a notebook. There you go, Van. Here you go. Notebook. Who else got notebooks? You want bridge you sticker? Notebook. Okay. Amber, can you hand out stickers to a few people on this side with notebooks? I'm going to the other side. Anybody over here got notebook? You got a you got a journal or a diary? What's the difference? Yeah, I see you, Marco. There you go, buddy. Have a bridge you sticker. Here you go. Bridge you stickers for people in notebook. Do you have a, are, are you taking notes on a notebook? Oh, you're taking notes on a phone. Notebook, you want a bridge you sticker? Oh, you got a paper Bible. That counts. I'll count that. Sick. Hey, if you got a note, if you're taking notes in a notebook, come find me after service. I got some, I got some Bridge Youth stickers for you. Hey, what's cool about these stickers too is like if you, if you peel it, bro, there ain't no way I'm gonna be able to peel this right now. Where's the ladies with the nails? And you, oh, I got it. Never mind. Never mind, ladies with the nails. If you peel it, like the back serves as like a little invite card. So you like slap a sticker on your hydro flask or your Stanley cup if you're real bougie. And then you hand the back to somebody as like, hey, come to church with me, you know. We were real strategic in that. That's good marketing is what that is. eh? That's good marketing. All right, one more time. What do you do when you're stuck in the middle? How do you respond? When stuck in the middle, you respond with faith and courage. Faith and courage. Now, here's what I think tonight. Here's what I think. Look at your neighbor and say, listen up. Here's what I think. I think tonight God's going to speak. I think tonight God's got some stuff to say. And whenever God's got something to say, the enemy wants to come and distract. So here for these next few minutes, we're going to be here for a good time, not a long time. For the next few minutes, let's do this. Nobody distract anybody. All of us, we're, we, we ain't in the fifth grade no more. We are sixth grade and up. We can all hold our peepees until the end of service. We don't got to be moving around and going to the bathroom and all this. Why are you saying this, Pastor Corey? I'm saying this because I, man, this word is like burning in my heart. Once in a while as a preacher, you got something. You, I always got stuff that, ask our school of ministry students, bro. Like you, anytime they're like, you got an hour to talk to the interns, Corey. I'm going to be there an hour and a half. Easy, easy, anytime. There's so much stuff I want to say. Once in a while, there's something burning in my heart as a preacher that I feel like I need to preach. And this is one of those sermons. So tonight, let's eliminate all distractions. Don't let anything pull for your attention because I think God's going to speak to you. While I speak to you, you're welcome to speak back to me. Add to the conversation. Don't take away from it. Don't be a distraction. Be a support. You can say amen. You can say that's good. You can say let's go. You can say preach it, white boy, just as a source of practice. Pick your favorite. Shout it out as loud as you can on three. One, two, three. I haven't heard that for a while. Now I'm ready and hyped to preach. Okay, so Exodus, I am Hawaiian, fun fact. I am, I am a lot of Hawaiian. So maybe I, it's just preach it Hawaiian, but you know, that doesn't sound as good, you know. Exodus chapter 14. Tonight we're talking about one of the most legendary moments of somebody being stuck, of some people being stuck. 
It's this moment for the Israelites. The Israelites were God's chosen people, and God's chosen people had unfortunately been uh, been captive in slavery in Egypt for about 400 years. God delivers them. He sends a guy named Moses. If you grew up in kids' church, you've watched VeggieTales and all that. You know the stories. You ever seen the old movie Prince of Egypt? You know the story. Moses frees them um, from Egypt. They leave Egypt. They head out. God's like freed them. On the way out, God leads them in this way where it seems like, seems like, somebody say seems like, it seems like God led them to a dead end. They get to the Red Sea. It's not actually red. Like, that will be six. Like, just full of Hawaiian punch. Come on now. They get to the Red Sea, and then there's the Red Sea. But then what happens next is kind of wild. We're going to read that. Because behind them then comes the Egyptian army that changed their minds. Never mind. We don't want to let you go. We're coming. So they can't go forward. They can't go back. They are right there stuck in the middle, stuck between the Red Sea and the Egyptians. I'm going to give you a bit of a heads up, guys. We are going to read uh, verse 10 to 31. How many verses is that? 10 to 31. So t- <laughs> 21. Can you do? If you know, uh, stop. You're not saved. There will be an altar call at the end of this service for everybody who just sang that song. <laughs> uh Verse 14, or chapter 14, we're going to jump in at verse number 10. And for context, you're getting a lot of Bible today. I'm going to read, I'm going to read a lot of this story. It's going to take us, uh, I timed it, it's going to take us about three minutes. Oh my gosh, could you imagine reading your Bible for three whole minutes? Oh goodness. But I think that it's important, there's a lot to notice here. Now here's what we're going to do. We're going to pay attention to how the Israelites respond when they're stuck in the middle. We're going to pay attention to how Moses responds when they're stuck in the middle. In the honor of the reading of God's word, would you guys stand? It is Wednesday. Wednesday is always leg day. Let's jump in. Verse number 10, if you got a Bible, if you got the Bible app, I am reading the New Living Translation. If you don't have either and you're like, bro, this is my first time ever being in church. I never even looked at a Bible. We got what's called the Sky Bible right over here. You guys could just look in that direction. The verses will be up there for you. Exodus chapter 14, verse number 10, New Living Translation says it like this. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked. They panicked. Somebody say panicked. Remember what I said, we're paying attention to how Moses responds, we're paying attention to how the Israelites respond. The Israelites, they look up, they see the Egyptians, immediate panic attack. They have panic when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried. All right, so they're panicking and they're crying. At this point, snot's flying, bro. They're snot's flying, they're freaking out, they're already right here from the get-go freaking out. They, they, they panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, check this out. Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Whoa. Like, talk about jumping to conclusions. Like, like they just throw out worst-case scenario right away. And then that's not even enough. They decide that they're going to get graphic with it. They say, weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? All right, bro, calm down. <laughs> What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you that this would happen while we were still in Egypt? Nope. We said, leave us alone. No, you didn't. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. Didn't say that either. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. Nope, you actually really didn't say any of that. Go back and read the story. The Israelites basically said none of that. They were pretty much lying because they're freaking out. And when you're in all-out panic, freaking out, emotional and crying, a lot of times that will make you think that you said something that you actually didn't, and you'll say a bunch of stuff, and you'll be like borderline a liar. 
So what ends up happening is verse 13 says, but Moses told the people. So we just saw the initial, the initial response of the Israelites. Here comes the initial response of our boy Moses. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Look at your neighbor. Say, don't be afraid. Look at your other neighbor, the one you chose second. Say, don't be scared. He says, don't be afraid. Now watch this. This is so wild. This is crazy. Check this out. Check this out. The second half of verse 13, it says this. Just stand still. Everybody stand as still as you can. All right, you can move around a little bit. You can sway a little bit. (laughs) Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today, you'll never see again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Then he says this. Check this out. This is a word from the Lord for somebody today. He says, just stay calm. Verse 15. We're going to kind of jam through the rest of these verses here. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle. Somebody say the middle. The middle of the sea on dry ground, and I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots and his charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. Verse 19, then the angel of God, who had been leading them, leading the people of Israel, moved to the rear of the camp. The pillar of a cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. The cloud settled between the Egyptians and Israelite camps. I'm not going to get into it. I won't have time tonight, but where does the presence of God rest? Somewhere between you and your enemies. Somewhere between you and those who are trying to attack you. But that's not my message tonight. I don't got time to get into it. Stop tempting me to preach something that's not in my notes, okay? As darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire, lighting up the night. But the Egyptians and Israelites did not approach each other all night. Verse 21, then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle. Somebody say the middle. The middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. That's crazy. Verse 23, then the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and charioteers, chased them into the middle, somebody say the middle, of the sea. Just before dawn, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from, turn the page, (laughs) the pillar, uh, fold the Bible, the pillar of fire and cloud, and he threw their forces into a total confusion. He twisted their chariot wheels, making their chariots difficult to drive. Let's get out of here. Away from these Israelites, the Egyptians shouted, the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. When all the Israelites had reached the other side, the Lord said to Moses, raise your hand over the sea again. Then the waters will rush back and cover the Egyptians and their chariots and charioteers. So as the sun began to rise, as the sun began to rise, there is light at the end of the tunnel that you're walking through right now, young person. As the sun began to rise, Moses raised his hand over the sea and the water rushed back into its usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them into the sea. The waters returned and covered all the chariots and charioteers, the entire army of Pharaoh, all of the Egyptians who had chased the Israelites into the sea, not a single one survived. And some of y'all say the Bible is boring. This would be a rated R movie right here, and your parents wouldn't let you watch it. Verse 29, but the people of Israel had walked through the middle, somebody say the middle, of the sea on dry ground as the water stood up like a wall on both sides. That 
is how the Lord rescued Israel from the hand of, of the Egyptians that day. And the Israelites saw the bodies of the Egyptians washed up on the seashore. I told you, rated R, bro. 31, when the uh, people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians, they were filled with awe before him. Check this out. Last verse before we pray, sit down and dig into what God wants to say. It says, they put their faith in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Let's pray. God, speak to us tonight. Amen. Grab a seat. Uh, have, you ever, have you ever had a moment where you felt stuck? You ever, ever, ever have a moment where you felt stuck, like, physically, like, legitimately, like, you're actually physically stuck? I remember one time, um, my family was crazy, bro. Like, first off, my family was wild. They're crazy. My family pulled pranks on each other, all of it. Like, they were, they were wild. They were crazy. Anybody else have a little bit of a crazy family? Your family's just a little bit crazy. My family's a little bit crazy. So one time, um... One time I'm in my mom's room. She's sitting in her, like, kind of, like, lazy boy chair in the corner of the room, right? And for whatever reason, I thought it would be funny to, like, come over, smack my mom's leg, and, like, jump back. And, and I knew my mom was, like, a little too lazy to get up out of the chair and chase me. So I thought it would be funny to just keep on doing it, smacking her leg and jumping back, you know. That's the last time I'll do this with my wife because my wife will get up and chase me around and beat me up. But I kept doing it to my mom over and over. I thought it was so funny, and I'm smacking her leg, and I'm jumping back. And, and then she's starting to get frustrated, which, of course, for me, makes it even funnier. <laughs> so I'm, I'm doing it over and over and over again. And then my mom ends up going, my mom goes, she goes like this. She goes, Corey, do it again and see what happens. All right, all the guys in the room, all the gentlemen. Hey, all the, all the gentlemen on the count of three, give me your lowest and manliest. All right, one, two, three. There's a lot of prepubescent males up in this place. Guys, real quick, this has nothing to do with the message. This is really just some big brother advice for you. If ever, if ever any woman on the planet, whether family, not family, mom, grandma, great-grandma, great-great-grandma, great-great-grandma, great-great-great-great-grandma, your crazy aunt, your cousin, your sister, your girlfriend, your future wife, your fiance, or some random chick that you don't know at Walmart, whoever it is, if a woman looks you in the face, young man, and says, do it again and see what happens, for the love of God, your life is at risk, do not do that thing again. As I do a spin move on this light. <laughs> I've I traveled since the fifth grade, Eli. Guess what I did? I did it again, but I had a plan. Listen, I had a plan. Here was my plan. I looked at the door, and the door is like, imagine the table door. It's like creaked open. It's like this much worth of door. i kind of always been a skinny dude, you know. So I was like, I'm going to smack my mom's leg, and then I'm going to just Boom, out the door, and I'm going to run up the, up the hall. I'll get out the front door. I'm going to go all the way to the border. I'm going to cross the Mexican border, go into Mexico. I'm going to start a new alias. I'm going to begin a whole new life. She'll never get me. She'll never find me. So what I do, I smack my mom's like, boom. I go to get to the, like, door slide plan. But as I do, my mom turns into, like, I don't know, like, Naruto or something. My mom's friggin' Goku, but Super Saiyan 3, my mom is, I could, I'm just going to keep naming anime characters until somebody tells me to stop. My mom, 
So my mom, as I'm going, my mom foot sweeps me. She foot sweeps me. My mom foot sweeps me. And I'm falling. I'm falling towards the barely open door. My shoulder hits the door frame. My other shoulder hits the door. And my mom, after having foot swept me, jumps up, grabs the door, and closes it on my head. And there I am, stuck, bro. I'm stuck on this door. I can't move. Have you ever been hit in the ear? And you know when your ear gets hot, like your ear's on fire? I got that going on. Immediate headache. I'm freaking out. Door's stuck on my head. I'm trying to wiggle out. I can't wiggle out. My mom won't let go of me. I'm screaming at the top of my lungs. I'm like, Mom, Mom, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call the cops. I'm going to call Child Protective Services or something. I don't know. Let go, mom, let go. I'm freaking out. My ear's on fire. I'm convinced my ear is going to fall off at this point. When in the middle of my panic, in the middle of my all-out freaking out, I hear my mom, what sounds like from the chair in the corner of the room that she was sitting in a moment ago, go, Corey, I'm not touching you. I was in that moment as confused as you are right now. What had happened was, <laughs> replay I smacked my mom's leg I went to run she did in fact foot sweep me but she foot swept me while sitting down I'm stumbling as I stumbled my shoulder hit the door frame and I went to try to catch myself and I grabbed the door with this hand boom and because my weight's falling forward I was holding the door on my own head I let go of the door when I hear my mom say she's not touching me. I let go. I hit the ground. I still got up. I ran out the door. I went to the Mexican border. I started a new alias, and I came back in the country just about 10 years ago under the name Corey Devon White. I won't tell you who I was before that. <laughs> I was stuck in that day. You ever, have, you ever, have you ever been stuck? Have you ever felt stuck? We're going to talk tonight about what to do when you're stuck in the middle. Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. Expect God's best, not the worst. That is better than you responded to, I'm telling you that. Expect God's, what do you do when you are stuck in the middle of the situation? We got the Israelites, they got the Red Sea in this section, you guys are the Red Sea. Over here, you guys, I'm sorry, you're the Egyptians. <laughs> I know, you're probably really nice people. My wife is with y'all, okay, but you're the Egyptians right now. I don't even, you guys, you know who you are? No, you guys are like the fishies and the whales and stuff in the ocean. You guys, fishies and whales in the ocean. Kai, you could be a great white, probably not indigenous to these waters, but hey, that is okay. They're stuck, right? And in this moment of, well, we can't go forward, there's a, there's, a, there's a sea, there's an ocean, there's a giant body of water, and we don't got no boats. They turn around, there's an army over there that wants to murder us. We can't go forward, we can't turn around, we can't go left, we can't go right. I motioned right, and I said left, I motioned left, and I said right, but they're stuck in the middle. And what do you do when you're stuck in the middle? Exodus chapter 14, verse 11, a, a verse that we just read a moment ago. The Egyptians said, why did you bring us here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? Have you guys noticed how everybody's so pessimistic and negative lately? 
Have you guys noticed how every single time you open your phone and you go on Instagram or you go on whatever social, dude, be real. It's so funny that be real is the opposite of being real. It's like everyone's doing their normal everyday thing. You're having lunch. You're like, hey, everybody, time for be real. And everybody does the opposite of being real. It's like be real time. They're like, yeah. Like nobody does. You're not sitting at lunch eating your like carne asada fries. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not how you eat carne asada fries. You eat them like this. Bro, these carne asada fries are bomb. God bless Mexican food, Mexican people collectively, you've created maybe the best food on the planet. God bless you. Like I believe honestly, sincerely with all of my heart that those of you who are Hispanic have been gifted by God to make the best food on the, oh, these are so good. Be real. Like, no, that's not real. Have you noticed every time you turn on the news, every time you like talk, have you ever no, like, have you noticed lately you even talk to people? It's like, hey, how you doing? And they, they hit you with the, you know, life. Like, what is it? What are you talking about? You know, it's tough in these streets. You live in Temecula. What are you talking about? It's tough in these streets. Your parents drove you to school in a Tesla. What are you talking about? You know, it's just trying to get by. Can I tell you, like, being negative and pessimistic, it's not some type of talent. In fact, it's so incredibly easy. It's almost instinctive. That's what the Israelites did. They see the Egyptians, they're like, yep, we're dead. Start digging the graves. Like, what? Chill. Who brought the shovels? I actually brought shovels. Why'd you bring shovels? For graves, you know, just in case we need to dig our own graves. What's wrong with you people? God told you he's going he's gonna to get you through. God told you he's going to. Not to mention, like, go back and read, like, the story of the Egyptians and Exodus and all this stuff. God just did a bunch of crazy, awesome, insane stuff, like miraculous stuff. And now all of a sudden, like, the Egyptians that God already just freed you from, they show back up on the scene as if, and you're thinking, like, God's not going to save you again. He already told you he's going to. What do you do when you're stuck in the middle? Here's what you do. You expect God's best, not the worst. You expect God's best, not the worst. Do you find yourself constantly jumping to the worst possible conclusion? Like something happens, there's a challenge in your life. There's a struggle. Something happens in your family and immediately all of your thoughts are negative and toxic and you're jumping to the worst possible conclusions. Do you find yourself constantly expecting the worst? The Israelites did the same, but what did Moses say? Moses said this in verse 13. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Somebody say, don't. He said, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. Watch the Lord rescue you today. Watch the Lord. This is the absolute ultimate flex, the my dad will beat up your dad moment. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this, is, this is Moses saying like, hey, Israelites, don't trip. Our dad's going to beat up their dad. Like, it's going to be fine. Watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. Ooh, you're, you're getting a little crazy, Moses. Chill. He says, no, you chill. That's actually really what he kind of said. He said, the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Just stay calm. I love Moses, a man of faith and courage responding. Responding the polar opposite of how the people respond. You have, you have all these Israelites responding in an all-out panic, panic attack. They're crying, snots flying. They're starting to dig their own graves. And Moses instead goes, guys, calm down. The Lord's going to fight for you today. Watch. 
God's going to deliver us just like he said. Moses responded polar opposite of how everybody else responded. Hey, news flash. Look at your neighbor. Say, news flash. Did you do the little finger thing at them? Did you do that? Did you look right back at them and go, news flash. Come on, you guys. The, the, it's, you, you, it won't, they won't get the point if you don't do the pointing of the finger. Look at your neighbor and say, news flash. <laughs> it's nothing to do with what I'm preaching. Hey, news flash. We don't respond to things the same as everybody else. We don't respond. We're people of faith. We don't respond to things how the rest of the world responds. This is why in 2019, 2020, when the whole world is freaking out, everybody's going crazy. Everybody's living in fear. Everybody's in an all-out panic. They sound a little bit like the Israelites when they're standing stuck in the middle between the Red Sea and the Egyptians. And they're like, okay, maybe we should just start digging our own graves. We, people of faith, said, whoa, whoa, why don't we just stay calm and trust God? Man, that's for somebody today. You're stuck in the middle of something. Maybe you're stuck right in the middle of depression, and you've been dealing with this for a really long time, and you don't know how you're going to get out. And it looks bleak, and you've tried medication, and you've tried counseling, and you've tried therapy. You you seemingly have tried it all, and you're kind of starting to internally freak out, and you're kind of starting to kind of relate with these Israelites when they were stuck, and you're starting to really panic a little bit. Can I just tell you tonight, stay calm. It's okay. You don't have to respond like the rest of the world. You don't have to let fear overcome your heart. How do you, what do you do when you're stuck in the middle? You respond with faith and courage. With faith and courage. The Israelites in that moment, they responded with doubt and cowardliness. Oh my gosh. Let's panic. Let's freak out. Let's dig our own graves. And then they turn on their leader, Moses. Moses responded in faith and courage. I want to be like Moses. I think, I think tonight, if there's anything that I could get across to you, this is what I'm trying to tell you. Be like Moses in this moment. Respond to your stuck, to your middle, to what you're going through. Respond to it with faith and courage. Hebrews 11, chapter, uh, chapter 11, verse 1 says, Now faith is the confidence. I love that. Faith is the confidence of what we hope for. And it's the assurance about what we do not see. You know what I think faith is? I think faith is expecting God's best. It's not, it's not expecting the worst. I think faith is, yeah, it looks bad. I'm not going to lie to you. It's not looking good. I know. It seems like all the cards are stacked against me. I know. I've read the statistics. It's not looking great. But I don't know. There's just this like, kind of hope in my heart because I know my God. I know how powerful he is. I know how much he loves me. I know he's in my corner. I know he fights for me and not against me. And I know this, that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And so I don't know. I think that I'm just going to have this bit of confidence and expect God's best. Young person, are you stuck in the middle of something? Can I encourage you? I know it's so easy to expect the worst. We've all been there. We've all had these moments. We've all had those, those kind of dark, low moments where life seems like it couldn't get any worse. And you're at your proverbial rock bottom. And it seems like hope is so far away and despair is seemingly so close. And it's so easy to give into that despair, to give into that hopelessness. But can I tell you tonight, as you're stuck in the middle, can I just tell you, can I encourage you? Can I implore you? Yes, I used to implore. What, what's a preacher's job? It's to say the same things in 12 different ways just to try to convince you. Can I 
somehow, some way, convince you tonight, don't give in to hopelessness. Everybody else is. Everybody else is giving in to hopelessness. Everybody else is negative. Everybody else is pessimistic. Most Bible scholars believe that there were millions of Israelites. Millions of Israelites right here. But just Moses said, no, 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 no. Let's have hope. Let's believe. I, I know, I see the ocean as well. I see the Egyptians as well. But God said, he looked at all the Israelites and said, I know that they're telling us they're going to kill us. But God said, he's going to get us to the other side. So I'm going to believe him. Can I tell you, that's so much of faith. Who are you going to believe? Look at your neighbor, say who. Look at your other neighbor, the one you, the one you chose second, say who. <laughs> Y'all sound like a bunch of owls up in here. Who, 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 who. <laughs> Bro, you ever see the picture of the baby owls in the attic? After church, not right now. Google it, bro. They're like aliens. They're terrifying. It's nothing to do with my message at all. Who are you going to believe? My wife, my wife has, um, has this thing that was next to her mirror in the bathroom for a really long time. And it, says, it, said, it said, do you trust God or do you trust God? It said, do you trust God or do you trust God? Who are you going to listen to when you're stuck in the middle? When you're stuck in the middle of struggle, when you're stuck in the middle of despair, when you're stuck in the middle of hopelessness, when you're stuck in the middle of depression, when you're stuck in the middle of your parents not wanting to stop fighting and all that you can see down the road of your parents' relationship is divorce and you're stuck in the middle of all of your friends' drama and gossip and it seems like like the world is just ripping your friend group apart. You're stuck in the middle of senior year and freshman year of college and you don't know what's next. You're stuck in the middle of a big faith decision. You're stuck in the middle of a temptation or a struggle or a sin that you can't seem to shake. What do you do when you're stuck in the middle of that, who are you going to listen to? Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. You will have, this, this, is, this is not in my notes. Can we, can we for like 30 seconds go college level stuff? Like, okay, everybody do this real quick. Like you're holding a, a glass of, uh, of, of, of like a frapp, not a frappuccino, that's junior high. Um, let's espresso. Espresso. No, espresso. All right, let's be college level, right? In those, there's no X in it. It's espresso. The press espresso, <laughs> best coffee in town, second only to the coffee shop owned by my boy Tyler. So when you're in the middle of something, you're going to have a few, a few type of communication with you. You'll have, you'll have God talking to you, you'll have yourself talking to you, you'll have some people talking to you, you'll have the enemy talking to you. And most all of the things that you're going to hear in your head and in your heart or even through your ears, all of them are going to be either imagination, manipulation, or revelation. Imagination comes from us. It's just some thoughts that we have. And sometimes our thoughts are good and sometimes our thoughts are bad. Sometimes our thoughts are very, 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 very emotional and they lead you down a wrong path. That's imagination. Next, you have manipulation. That comes from the enemy. That comes from the enemy wanting to tell you you're going to die in this situation. It's over for you. And then you're going to have revelation where God starts to talk to you. God starts to say, you're going to make it through. But I don't see, there's no path. You've led us to a dead end. You think it's a dead end. You see an ocean, I see a highway. You see graves, I see gardens. You see despair, I see a moment for me to display my glory. So what are you going to listen to? Your own imagination? You're going to listen to the enemy's manipulation? Or are you going to listen to revelation that comes from God? Listen to God. Listen to God over yourself. When your emotions start trying to tell you as you're stuck, you're done. It's over. 
when you've, when you've messed up and you're stuck in the middle of that sin and you're like this, I said a thousand times ago that a thousand times ago was the last time and I've done it again, I'm stuck. Um, I'm, I'm a horrible person. I'm gross. I'm disgusting. I'm a hypocrite of a Christian. How dare I lift my hands in worship? I'm so condemned. I'm so judged. I'm so guilty. I am the worst of the worst. Okay, that's what your own feelings are telling you. Who are you? Don't believe yourself. Believe God. You know what God says in his word? God says that there is now, therefore, no condemnation. Somebody say no. Somebody say none. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The old, it's gone. The new has come. The Bible says you are you. Yes, you. I know you're thinking, not me. Yeah, you. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I I don't feel like it. Since when did your feelings have anything to do with anything, bro? Since when did your emotions dictate the universe? How are we going to be so prideful that we think, oh, yeah, you know, my emotions, you know, my feelings, yeah, the ones that change every five minutes. It's like, I hate humanity. Take a drink of of coffee. I'm like, I love everybody. (laughs) Some of y'all, high school girls, How you act before and after lunch is totally different. <laughs> like, I am hangry, and now I'm holy. Praise God. <laughs> and you think, we think our emotions and our feelings trump God's word and what he said? When you're stuck in the middle, you know what you need to do? You need to expect God's best, not the worst. What does expecting the worst lead to? For the Israelites, it, le- it led them to fall into the default of what they've, all, uh, that what they've, what they've always known. The problem is, is that their default was, was slavery and imprisonment. Their destination, according to God, was freedom and paradise. But they were, they were willing to go back to slavery and imprisonment. Because in the moment when they were stuck, they were like, let's just go back. Here's the thing about freedom. God wants you, you know God wants you to be free. God wants freedom for you. Over that sin, over that depression, over that struggle, over that issue with your health, over the anxiety that you feel constantly, over all the drama in your friend group that's just tearing you apart emotionally, over all the worries and the fears that you have. You know God wants you to be free from that. God is a God of freedom. It, the scripture says, the scripture says it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Scripture says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. God wants you to be free. You know that God wants you to be free? Here's the thing about freedom, though. Freedom always takes a fight. You got to fight for freedom. There's a a saying, us us as Americans love this saying. Say, freedom isn't free. (laughs) Back-to-back World War champs, baby. Freedom ain't free. (laughs) But it's true. Freedom's not free. You got to fight. And the first moment the Israelites are up against a fight, they're like, oh, wave the white flag. It's either that or dig the graves. What? What? No. Beware of fear and doubt leading you to default. Because like the Israelites, it'll lead you to go back to all the things. It'll lead you to go back to the ways that you used to cope with being stuck. The way you used to cope with your problems. You know what fear and doubt will do? You know what expecting the worst will do? It'll lead you to go, oh, gosh, uh, 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 I'm going to go back. Stop looking over your shoulder. There's nothing back there for you. You know what would have been so dope? You know what I've been so dope? I think this might have been God's will. This ain't even in the notes, Marco. It's not in there. I'm just thinking about it right now. You're like, you know when the Holy Spirit just talks to you? It would have been so dope 
if the Israelites trusted God so much and they were so utterly convinced of his word that they didn't even notice the Egyptians were back there. They just looked at the Red Sea like, whenever you're ready, God, we're on your time. It's all good, but feel free to part this whenever. And the Egyptians were over there like, we're going to kill you. And they're like, what is that noise? Anyways, we're looking this way, the direction God's called us to. How sick would that have been if, like, we read it and, like, it, like Moses, the writer of Exodus, had to put in parentheses. Also, the Egyptians were chasing the Israelites, but they didn't even notice because they had so much faith. But that's not what it says. <laughs> Instead, it said, dig the graves. We're dead. Man, can I tell you, just look that way. Like, don't it bless you. Just look that way. Oh, sorry. You guys, uh, well, you look that way. You look that way. You look that way. And you look that way. We're all looking towards the middle. Oh, come on, somebody. Just look forward. Stop looking over your shoulder to your past. There's nothing back there for you. Don't let fear and doubt lead you to default. I pray tonight that God helps you to stop thinking those toxic thoughts that you think all the time. I pray to God that tonight that he helps you to stop coming to the most negative conclusion possible about every situation. I pray to God that you stop seeing, like, death in every situation. And you begin to see life. I pray to God that tonight is the night that you stop looking at everything and seeing the darkness in every situation. You start to see some light. I pray in Jesus' name that those of you who for your entire life, you've been so negative, you've been such a pessimist, that tonight you become an optimist. And this isn't like some help, self-help talk, like a be positive, like, God will send you rainbows and butterflies and unicorns. God did not send a unicorn Pegasus. I don't know the difference or a combo of the two. Like they didn't get to the Red Sea and God was like, Pegasus for everybody. Hop on, we're riding over the Red Sea. No, it took some faith and it looked a little dark for a moment. But I pray in Jesus' name that tonight would be the night that even when it looks a little bit dark, you would be the one in a million like Moses that goes, I see some light. I'm gonna believe for God's best, not the worst because that's called faith. My next point, when you're stuck in the middle, and we're moving along now, I'm gonna be closing this down very soon. Can I preface this point by saying, I love you? Really? <laughs> I love you. Okay, cool, thank you. Because my second point is, stop crying, get moving. Stop crying. Everybody real quick, everybody real quick. Um, uh, with, along with me, everybody, everybody spell the word shop. Here we go. S-H-O-P. What do you do at a green light? Thank you, Jordan, who I tricked with this the other day. If you are watching online and you thought stop, first off, you could cost somebody their life. Second off, this was the same confusion the Israelites had. They get to the Red Sea and they see, the, they see the, the Egyptians. Sorry, these sections, you're still the Egyptians. They see the Egyptians and they're like, we should just stop. Don't move. Don't go anywhere. I love, dude, I love, I love God. God is so, dude, God's so funny, bro. Like, God is, God is hilarious. Because this is life or death situation. Understand, this is life or death and look at what God tells them in Exodus 14, verse 15. The Lord said, uh, then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Why are you crying? Stop crying. Tell the people to 
get moving. Tell the people to get moving. Look at your neighbor and say, go. I pray in Jesus' name that the next time you feel stuck and you're just sitting there like sulking in sorrow and crying and acting like the Israelites, like this is the worst ever, might as well dig my own grave. I pray in Jesus' name that you hear the sound of Mario Kart. Boom, 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 boom. And you just go, man. You just go, you just go, I'm just going to take the next step. I'm just going to take this next step. You know for Moses what that was, what the step was? God said, God's like, Moses is like, God, I don't know what to do. He says, stop crying. Start telling the people to go. He's like, okay, come on, guys, we're going to go. Go where? We're stuck. And then he's like, yeah, they're kind of right, God. We're stuck. What do I do? And God's like, what's in your hand? He's all, a staff. He's like, okay, just like raise that up to the sky. He's like, God, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. He's like, bro, just do it. He's like, okay. <laughs> cool. And he just does it. And then what happens? Then you guys came into play. You're the <laughs> the waves. <laughs> do your like do the best wave that you can do. <laughs> so stupid, bro. <laughs> God's not gonna show you step number four thousand six hundred and eighty-three. He's gonna show you your next step. And for Moses, it was like, hey, this sounds kind of silly, but can you just in faith do this? And he's like, okay. And then God moves. Stop. I know, I know it sounds harsh because some of this, I've walked through them too. I know some of you guys, this is why I'm preaching this message. It's because I know that some of you guys are going through it. Some of you guys are going through some struggle, are going through some hardship, are going through some real, real stuff. And I'm not trying to be insensitive. All I'm trying to say is that like be, Joshua chapter 1 is when Joshua comes on the scene and he's the successor of Moses. Moses dies, Joshua's now in charge of these same Israelites, right? And he then has to like lead them into the promised land, the place that they were heading since here, but it takes them 40 years because of fear, disobedience, doubt, all this sort of stuff, sin is involved, everything like that. And day one on the job, you know what God tells Joshua day one on the job? He says, hey, Josh, a little bit of advice for you, buddy. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous, Joshua. That's what you're going to need to be. You're going to need to be strong and courageous. And all I can think about is how so much of the world is trying to tell you young people the exact opposite. Left and right, I feel like I'm combating every other voice in your life. Because every other voice in your life is like, hey, you're not strong. You're weak. You're fragile. You're a snowflake. You're like a little piece of glass that if anybody ever so much as touches you or breathes on you, you're going to crumble apart. If somebody, oh my gosh, if they unfollow you on Instagram, oh, they hate you, and, and, and you got to hate them back, and you got to be, mis- oh, and you know what, you know what, on top of all of that, you're a victim. You're like, but I've never been victimized. It doesn't matter. That's the thing. You don't ever have to be victimized to be a victim. You can actually just kind of feel like a victim, and then you are. And then you know what you should do? You should, like, be super mad at whatever group has, like, hurt your feelings and made you feel like a victim. And then you should, like, be really mad at them, hate them. And then you should look at yourself as, like, fragile, and you're hurt. And now, like, your whole life is crumbling down, and you should just don't stop crying. Keep crying. Just soak in your sorrow. And the whole world's trying to tell you that you're weak. Can I tell you? Scripture says like all the opposite things about you. And in fact, here's one of the craziest things Scripture actually says. Scripture says that actually, yeah, you know, but even when we're weak, we're made strong. In our weakness, we have strength. 
because of God. It says, then, then God says, also, Josh, don't just be strong, be courageous. But the whole rest of the world is trying to tell you, young people, don't be courageous, be scared of what? Everything. Be scared of everything. When should I be scared of everything? All the time. That sounds kind of stressful. Right. Because you're super stressed. And you're the most depressed and anxious generation in 50 years. And you're this and you're that. And have you noticed how everybody just wants to speak death and despair over your generation? What if you were Moses, though? In the midst of that, if you were Moses. And while everybody wants to speak death and despair over your generation, you stood up and you said, yeah, nah. Just, and they're like, what do you mean no? Yeah. Just no. No to what? All of it? Like what? Oh, like that I'm going to be depressed and anxious and fearful and fragile and a victim. And, you know, that every single statistic that's stacked against me is going to prevail over my life. I'm like, bro, I'm, I'm done hearing statistics, bro. Like, don't come and talk to me about statistics. Like, I don't want to hear statistics. I had every statistic stacked against me. My dad was in prison. I was born to a single mom. I was born addicted to drugs. My mom had my brother at 17, had an abortion at 18, had me at 19. And then everything in front of me were to say that I should be on drugs, in jail, divorced. I should have my whole life fall apart. And none of that happened. And people still want to try to talk to me about all the statistics. I'm like, bro, God crushed every statistic through my life. I just don't want to hear any of them anymore. More. Because what am I going to believe? Am I going to believe statistics or am I going to believe God's word? Which one am I going to believe? But you know what I had to do? I had to stop crying and I had to start moving. I'm not saying there's no, there's no moment to cry. Have your moment and then get up. <laughs> Look at your neighbor say, get up. Get up, stop crying, get moving. The psalmist said this. He said in Psalm 23, verse 4, he said, yeah, even though I walk through. Somebody say, walk through. Come on, say, walk through. Even though I camp in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death. Even though I live in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death. Even though I pay rent in the middle of the, even though I buy real estate in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death. No, he said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I love this part because it sounds like a 16, 17-year-old girl with attitude. It says, I will fear no evil. You'll fear what? No. No what? No evil. What do you mean? No, I'm not going to fear any of it. None of it at all. When? Ever. Why? Like, why won't you fear any evil? Oh, for you are with me. God, God's with me. So I don't, I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be scared. I don't have to be weak. I don't have to be fragile. I don't have to sit and cry about this my whole life. I can get up and get moving expecting God's best. It's easy to feel sorry for yourself. It's easy to just keep on sulking in sorrow. It's easy to walk in victimhood until you get to this place where you're just stuck. But here's the thing. Faith, faith is kind of like water. What happens to water when it's stagnant? There's this place around where Jesus did ministry called the Dead Sea. You know what the Dead Sea was? The Dead Sea was a body of water that had no inlet and it had no outlet. And there's nothing living in it. That's why it's called the Dead Sea. See, what happens to stagnant water? It becomes toxic. Like, leave a cup of water just sitting there long enough and bacteria will grow and it'll turn. Anybody ever, anybody ever been around a swamp? 
You know why swamps get swampy? Is swampy a word? You know why sh- do you know why swamps get swampy? <laughs> swamps get swampy, as a matter of fact. The swampiness of swamps <laughs> is because of stagnation. Think about a swamp. I want you to get the, the image of a swamp in your mind. It's green, it's gross, it's disgusting, it's moldy. You feel like if I jump in there, one of my arms is going to fall off and I'm going to grow a third eye. That is, what your, that is what your faith looks like when it's stagnant and stands still. Keep your faith moving. Keep your faith. Look at your neighbor say, keep your faith moving. How? Just take a step. Whatever God's calling you to do, take a step. Because here's the thing. This is for the Israelites. This is for you. You feel like you're at a dead end? Israelites did too. God's already prepared the way. He's just preparing you. Decide, I'm so, you're no longer the Egyptians, all right? You need to hear this. God's already prepared the way. He's just preparing you. Why did God lead the Israelites to the, to the Red Sea? He'd already prepared the way. God knew what he was going to do. You know nothing's ever occurred to God. When the, when the Egyptians came over the, came over the hill and the, the Israelites were shocked by it, oh my gosh, the, the Egyptians. You know God didn't go, oh, I didn't see him coming either. I was like, I know. I also know what I'm going to do next. He already prepared the way. He's just preparing them. Helping them realize you need to trust me. You need to have faith. So when, you, when you're stuck, open your eyes. God's trying to teach you some things. He's prepared the way. He's just trying to prepare you. Keep moving when you're stuck. As the band heads up and I start closing down, <clears throat> point number one, expect God's best, not the worst. Point number two, stop crying, get moving. As I close, um, all you history buffs, you know, you guys know what today is? You know why today is important as Americans? It's the 81st anniversary of Pearl Harbor. And if you don't know what Pearl Harbor is, it was a day that lived in infamy since then in that it was the day that Japan bombed America, the Hawaiian Pearl Harbor. And there's something really, really interesting about December 7th, 1941. On December 7th, 1941, did you know that it was actually Americans that fired the first shot at Pearl Harbor? In fact, it was the very first shot fired by Americans in the war. It's just that nobody knew that yet at the time. A destroyer ship called the USS Ward, and I know this is nerdy, but I love this kind of stuff. History is so cool to me. It's so rad. But the USS Ward fired fired on and sunk a Japanese submarine that was trying to sneak into the harbor. Get this, at 4 a.m., a minesweeper ship reported to the USS Ward that they had spotted a submerged submarine. But the USS Ward, having searched for it, didn't find anything. While continuing to search, around 6.35, a scout on the USS Ward spotted the, where's, where's my homie that helped me with this? What's it, what's it called on the submarine? That, that shark fin looking thing? Conning, there you are, my dude. They spotted the conning tower of a submarine. The USS Ward did. This is super interesting. A guy named Lieutenant William Outerbridge, who actually took command of the USS Ward less than 24 hours before the Pearl Harbor attack. So interesting. He gave the order to fire upon this submarine, knowing this, this area by the harbor, there should not be any submarines unless they're trying 
to attack. Not only did he order the attack on the Japanese sub, but he immediately notified the naval command at Pearl Harbor. As an emphasis of how serious the emergency was, he sent another message at 0653. That's 6.53 a.m. for any of you who don't know military time. And here's what he said. He said, quote, attacked, fired upon, depth bombed, and sunk submarine operating in the defense sea area. But get this. This, 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 was, this was a telltale sign that they were, Pearl Harbor was about to be under attack. And there was some stuff going on where they knew that there was an attack that was coming. They just didn't know where or when. And this should have been the sign like, yo, it's Pearl Harbor. It's right now. It's about to happen. But get this. When, when Lieutenant Outerbridge, when he notified the naval commanders, they didn't believe him. And they said, they said, quote, it's just another false report. Because apparently they had gotten some false reports about submarines and some attacks. And people were kind of panicky and jumpy. They didn't believe him. How how crazy is that? And if they believe him, Americans would have had more than an hour to scramble aircrafts, get ships moving, activate anti-aircraft defenses, and respond. Many believe that if these reports weren't, if they weren't met with skepticism and disbelief, that the result of Pearl Harbor could have or would have been much, much different. How wild is that? And 81 years later, as I'm kind of nerding out over this and I'm studying and I'm reading this, you know what I thought? I thought, what if they believed him? What if the naval commanders believed Lieutenant Outerbridge, which is a dope name? There was so much damage and death that happened at Pearl Harbor, so much. And how much damage and death could have been avoided had the naval commanders just believed Lieutenant Outerbridge at his word. And as your youth pastor, I can't help but to think how much death and damage could be avoided if you just believed God at his word. How much, how much anxiety would be avoided? How much fear would be avoided? How much heartbreak would be avoided? How much stagnation and being stuck would be avoided? How many years of life living in rebellion would be avoided? How, how many sleepless nights would be avoided if you just believed God at his word? The Israelites didn't, but Moses did. Be Moses. Trust God at his word. When stuck in the middle, you'll be able to respond with faith and courage you believe God at his word. Amen. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Would you pray with me? God, I pray that every single heart in this room would be filled right now with faith and courage. God, I pray that first and foremost, we'd respond to you. We'd believe you at your word, God. And we'd put our faith and our trust in you. Soften every heart in this room right now. With heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're in this room and you would say, Pastor Corey, I've felt so stuck in sin and failure. I've felt stuck in isolation. And this God that you've been talking about, the one that, that delivered the Israelites from the Egyptians, delivered them from the enemies. I want to know that God. This Jesus that, that you're telling me came down right in the middle of my life 
he came down and he died for my sins. I, I want to know that Jesus. If that's you, I, I'm going to I'm going to give you the opportunity to have a bit of courage in just a moment, to respond in faith and courage. And if you want to give your life to Jesus tonight, you want to, you want to in this moment say, God, would you come right in the middle of all of my baggage and all of my failures and all of my sin? Would you come? Would you come down in the middle of this and would you forgive me? Would you set me free? God, would you come and would you heal me? Would you be my father? I want to give you my life. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to respond in just a moment in a way that'll take a little bit of courage. I'm gonna count to three, and I just want you to lift your hand and put it right back down, if that's you. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you, this is your moment, this is your time. When I get to three, you don't worry about what's happening around you, this is your moment. Public setting, private moment. Heads bowed, eyes closed. When I get to three, if you wanna give your life to Jesus, you want him to come down in the middle of your story, right here and now, you lift your hands. One, two, three, go, all those hands. Man, so many hands going up best decision you can make with your life. I promise you that. You can put them right back down. You know, Moses declared words with his mouth that he knew to be true in his heart about the faithfulness of God. That's how we start this journey of faith with him. With words that we say with our mouth that we believe in our heart. Scripture says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and he rose from the dead, you will be saved. God is saving people right here in this moment. We're a family here at Bridge Youth, so we pray together. I am going to ask you that you pray the, this prayer right out loud after me. You're probably thinking if you're brand new, what prayer? What do you, I've never prayed, Corey. What I'm going to do, I'm actually going to give you some words. I'm just going to ask you to repeat these words after me and just wrap your heart around it. Mean it with everything in you. This is your moment with God. I know we're all praying, but man, if it was just you and God, this would still be your moment with him. Would you repeat these words right after me? Everybody say this. Say, Lord Jesus. I know I'm a sinner, but I know you're a savior. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sin and you rose from the dead. So tonight, I give you my heart, I give you my life, I give you everything. And from this moment forward, I'm gonna follow you. Thank you for receiving me and thank you for forgiving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we welcome people into God's family? Hey, before we jump into worship, can I tell you, if you just prayed that prayer, it's not the end of the journey, it's just the beginning, and we want to kick off this journey with you with something that we call the next seven days. It's a free gift we want to get in your hands. You get to get it in a really easy way. Just go to our Instagram, at bridgeYTH underscore, DM us the words next seven, we'll handle the rest. It's literally seven videos you can watch over the next week that'll help you in taking the next step, bless you, of your faith journey. Hey, one more time, can we just welcome people into God's family? Hey, nobody distracting anybody. Would you stand? Would you come meet me right here in the middle? We're about to get into a moment of worship. Nobody distracting anybody, but this is really interesting to me. Check this out. Exodus chapter 15. This is just on the other side. Remember, we, we went all the way to chapter 14. That means you guys, y'all read all, almost all of Exodus chapter 14. You're Bible scholars. So get the picture. Moses, the Israelites, they were stuck in between, in the middle of the Red Sea and the Egyptians. God came through. Whoa, shocker. God did what he said he would do. Can I tell you, every single time God ever said he was going to do anything in my life, he's done it. He's never failed me, not even once. I've been following him for over 
17 years of my life. And he's never failed me, not even once. You know God's never failed anybody once, and he's not going to start with you. God comes through, right? They get to the other side. Moses turns around. He goes, peace out, Egyptians. <laughs> the Red Sea covers them. Crazy. God delivers them. And instead of just turning around and marching towards the promised land, you know what Moses does next? The very first verse of the next chapter, Exodus chapter 15, verse 1. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord. And there's a song with quotes of worship. After being stuck in God delivers you, and for some of you tonight, God already just delivered you. For some of you, God already just healed you. Young person who's been dealing with depression, for some of you, God's already just healed you. For some of you, God's going to be, he's going to heal you progressively, step by step. For some of you, you've been, you've been struggling with fear. You've been stuck in the middle of fear and God's already just healed you. For some of you, you're going to have to have some faith that God's going to part those waters and heal you. But either which way, you know what the best possible response is? Exodus 15, worship God. Declare his goodness. Declare his faithfulness. But I don't believe he's faithful. Cool. Sing it till you believe it. Fake it till you make it. Keep singing it until you convince your heart. You know why? Because your heart's going to deceive you and your feelings are going to deceive you. And sometimes what you need to do, you need to proclaim with your mouth that which you don't yet believe in your heart. And keep proclaiming it with your mouth until your heart believes it. Convince your heart. Some, bro, sometimes I got to pep talk myself. You know how I pep talk myself? I don't go, all right, Corey. I don't like go look in the mirror. I'm like, all right, Corey, you got this, dude. Let's go. Like that would be the worst pep talk ever. I'm not a great encourager of myself. In fact, I tend to be a little bit self-loathing. I tend to beat myself up a little bit too much. So you know what I do? I pep talk myself by going, you know what, Corey? God's got a plan for you. You know what, Corey? You're anointed. You know what, Corey? God's chosen you. You know what, Corey? You're a royal priesthood. You're a son of a king. You know what, Corey? God's already used your life in all of these ways. Look at how faithful he's been. You know what, Corey? You know what, Corey? There are a bunch of people around you that'll join their faith with you if you keep doubting. You know what the word of God says about you, Corey? Sometimes I just need to sing praises and declare God's word over my life until I believe it. Do me a favor. Close your eyes. Lift your hands. You're in the presence of God. He's moving. God, we trust your word. We expect your best, not the worst. God, in this moment, God, we've had moments of tears. We've had moments of sulking. We've had moments of sorrow. We're getting up and we're moving. And for some of us, our movement of faith, our step of faith is the same that it was for Moses. We're lifting our hands to you. We're lifting our eyes to you. All of the Israelites, they lifted their eyes and saw the Egyptians. We're lifting our eyes to you like Moses. We're looking to you where our help comes from. And we choose in this moment, no matter what we're feeling, no matter what we're going through, no matter how stuck we might, we, we might seem, no matter how stuck the season of life we might be in. We look to you and we worship you and we praise you, the King of Kings, the delivering God, the one who pulls us out of slavery and gives us freedom, the, our deliverer, our strong tower, our ever-present help in time of need, that friend that sticks closer than a brother. You are an almighty, all-powerful God. Nothing scares you. Nothing intimidates you. Your resources don't 
run dry. You're not running out. You're the great provider. You're our great healer. You are our shoulder to cry on. God, you are our comforter when we need comfort. God, you are our deliverer when we need deliverance. God, you're our provider when we need provision. You are our father. You are close. You're not far away. God, you were right there in a fiery cloud in front of the Israelites. And God, you're right here by your Holy Spirit in every single heart and in our midst and in our presence. We trust that you're near. And right now we worship you with everything in us. And we praise you right there where you're at. Just begin to, just begin to worship him in your own words. God, you're good. You're faithful. We honor you. We worship you. We thank you for your proximity. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you. There's a grace when the heart is under fire. Another way when the walls are closing in. And when I look at the space between where I used to be and this reckoning. I know I'll never be alone. There was another in the fire standing next to me. There was another in the waters holding back the seas. And should I ever need reminded how I've been set free? Is a cross that bears the burden another died for me There is another in the fire All my dad left the devil
God praise. We're going to move into another song of worship, but as we were worshiping, to the young person that you're, your place that you're stuck right now is you've been stuck in brokenness. Maybe something was done to you someone's abandoned you you've experienced heartbreak and heartache and you've been broken and you felt stuck there you've been hurt you felt stuck there I tell you God wants to grab all the broken pieces and bring them back together this is the word of the Lord for you the Lord himself will fight for you. Here it comes. This is big. This is for you. Just stay calm. Just stay calm. Young person, you're stuck in brokenness. For some of you, 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 feel, you feel almost hatred towards the person that hurt you. Just forgive them. Stay calm. God's going to take every one of those broken pieces and bring it back together. God's going to make that thing that looks like a dead end make sense very soon. Just trust Him. Just stay calm. I don't know why. This is what God put on my heart. Close your eyes. If you're comfortable, just put your hands out right in front of you like you're receiving something from God. This is what God put on my heart. Every single person. 
especially if you're the one that's feeling broken, you're stuck in that brokenness. Here's the calmness, here's the peace that surpasses all understanding. That's what God showed me, take a deep breath. Let it out. You feel, you feel the peace of God coming over you right now. We trust you, we worship you, we honor you. We know that you fight for us. We're just gonna calmly sit that you will. Youth with everything we have, we sing.
just the voices we sing. story that we read in Exodus 14, it, uh, it's, it starts off kind of interesting because in context, the Israelites have been enslaved in Egypt for over 400 years. For generations, they've been crying out to God, praying to God for deliverance. And finally, after 400 years, the nation of Israel has deliverance from Pharaoh and from Egypt. And yet in Exodus 14, they start off by saying, essentially, we should go back to Egypt. Let's, let's go back to Egypt. Let's go back to slavery. Let's go back to where God called us out from. And it sounds really weird. And it, it brought to mind a, a historical event that happened going off of what a what Pastor Corey was talking about with a, uh, with, a, with a historical event. There was a moment after the Civil War where the Union or the North won, slavery was, was abolished, it was illegal, and every slave that was in the South had to be set free. And what the slaves did in the South was that they did one of three things. Slaves would go from the South up to the North to start families, to reunite with their families, to be a part of bands and businesses and just start a brand new life up in the north. Some slaves stayed in the south because a lot of slaves actually started family while they were in slavery. So they stayed in the south, they, they had a brand new life, but there was also a, a third group of slaves that when they received their freedom, they went back to their former masters and begged them to take them back. They begged them. They, they said, please, let us, let us go back to how it was before, which is so crazy to think about because for hundreds of years, slavery existed. I can imagine hundreds of, hundreds of years, slaves in America were praying and believing that God would deliver them. And when they had their deliverance, there was still a group of slaves that said, I want to go back. And I feel like, Like this is just a, a, a very specific word for not just someone, but for a group of people tonight because God has done something in your life. He saved you, he delivered you, the pieces that were broken, the chains that were around you, the, the things that you were going through that kept you in bondage, they're here right now, they're on the floor, they're at, they're at the altar right now, right before God and God freed you from them. And I feel like this is the word that God wants you to hear is, you can leave them here. You don't have to pick them back up. 
because I feel like so many times, like there's so many students that come to Bridge Youth and that come here and they have moments with God and they had encounters with God and yet the things that God has done inside of their life before they leave here, they pick it right back up and they take it with them because they feel like it's just a part of them. They feel like it has to go with them. They feel like they don't know what to do without it. But can I tell you that tonight you don't have to pick it back up. It's gone. You're free. It doesn't have the power over you anymore. When a difficult situation comes up, you know what you can do? You don't have to go back to your former master. You can go back to your new master, which is Jesus, which is, just, which is your salvation, which is the truth of God. Don't pick it back up. When things get tough, don't go back to it. Don't go back to the thing that enslaved you. Don't go back to the thing that put you in bondage. Go to the thing that gave you freedom. Go to the thing that cut those chains. Go to the thing that set you free. Go to the thing that split the sea right before you so that you can walk into freedom. Go to the God who freed you from those things. You don't have to pick them back up anymore. I feel like maybe we should go back into just the chorus of, of here again and just solidify that fact inside of our heart that God, here I am. God, I know, you, I know that you've met us before, but God, would you meet me here one more time within this moment, Lord, even if it's just to reaffirm something inside of me, to let me know that I don't have to pick up those chains anymore. I don't have to pick up those addictions anymore. I don't have to pick up that bondage or that slavery anymore. But God, I'm gonna walk out of here in freedom. I'm gonna walk out of here in your righteousness and your love and your joy and your peace. I'm not gonna pick up those things that are right before me that I, that I have left right before you at the altar. But God, I'm gonna walk out of here free. I'm gonna walk out of here with my arms lifted. I'm gonna walk out of here, God, with your power, with your might with your strength, knowing, God, that you have called me out of something and into something new. God, you are doing something right now inside of here, God. Would you speak to us again all over this place? Just like what Pastor Corey just said, would you lift up your hands once again as a sign of freedom to say, devil, you don't have control over me anymore. Enemy, you don't have control over my thoughts, over my mind, over my emotions anymore because I'm set free, because I'm a new creation, because I'm something new made in eyes. God, you have set me free, so let's lift up our hands as a sign of freedom to say, God, I am all yours. Come on, sing it out tonight.
Bridge Youth, we can't go back to the beginning. We keep on moving forward. You are free. You are a new creation. You are made righteous in the eyes of God. You're going to walk out of here with strength and with freedom and with peace. For some of you, you have not had a good night's sleep in a while. Tonight, as soon as your head hits the pillow, you're knocked out. You're going to have a great night's sleep tonight. Can I tell you that for some of you, when you wake up for school in the morning, you have a little panic attack inside of you because you're going to be surrounded by people and it feels really claustrophobic when you're in the hallways and when you're at school. Can I tell you that tomorrow when you wake up, the peace of God is going to be over your mind. Can I tell you that for some of you, when you left your house tonight to get here, your parents were fighting and they were arguing. But can I tell you that while you were here, God was doing work on your parents' marriage. And when you get back, you're going to walk in with joy and with peace, knowing that God is with you, that he has not forsaken you, that whatever weapon the enemy has formed against your family, it will not prosper, but God will prevail. God, all we want is you. All we want is you, God. I feel like we're going to stay here for another hour. But your parents will get really upset at us and we don't want that. But hey, um, if you did give your life to Christ or maybe you rededicated your life to Christ, we have an amazing resource that we want to give you guys all for free. It's called The Next 7 Days. DM us next 7 at Bridge Youth YTA. YTA. YTH. I was thinking of young adults. Yeah, there you go. Um, underscore. DM us that and we will give you guys that free resource. Also... Wednesday nights are not the only time that we have church. We also have Sunday services, 9.30 for your family, 11.30 for you. We got connect groups happening this Sunday. It's going to be awesome. We will see you guys then. Have a great night. Later, Bridge Youth.